I'm excited to share with you um, again from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And we're continuing um, as Paul digs deeper and deeper into um, what it means to be the body. But to think, especially in this latter portion, not so much what it means to be the body, but what it means to be a part of the body. Now, I'm going to do something just a little bit different. I, I realize that that's almost cliche to say because we're always trying to do something a little different, right? But we're going to read the passage sort of in sections because I just want to try and focus a little bit on each of a, a few sections. But I would invite you to join me in reading along in no small part because for many of you, this might be the first time you've heard it in this particular translation. We'll be reading from the message, um, which is a, a sort of a unique uh, translation that uses a lot of modern language and paraphrase to try and get it into something that is a little more accessible. But hear these words, beginning with the 12th verse of Paul's first letter to Corinth, the 12th chapter. You can easily see, or I should say, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of His one Spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a, a large and integrated life in which He has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of His resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, His Spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. Would you pray with me? Loving God, you are at work in us, and we are in awe of that. You are at work in this community that is Trinity at work forming each of us as parts of this body, reaching out, and, and I can't help but acknowledge reaching out in a time when, when so many of us aren't worshiping in different places and at different times, that your Holy Spirit gathers us together uniquely and forms us into what Paul calls here the resurrection body of Christ. We are humbled by that, God. And so we pray in these moments as we consider what that might mean for us as a church, for us as individuals, that you would speak to all of us through the presence and work of your Holy Spirit. And even, God, I pray that you would speak through me, and if need be, in spite of me, so that your word alone would be heard. Amen. So, Paul seems really excited about this, and I hope you are too. 
This idea that there is something more. I, I, I can't help but just love the way he sort of ends this section. You've heard Paul use this before, most of you I would imagine. Slave, nor free, Greek, or Jew. I mean, this, this idea of these well-known, well-established, often visually easily to perceive differences, separators, distinguishers that we put so much weight into, and Paul says they are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. And obviously Paul, and especially as we continue this passage, you'll see he's not, he's not poo-pooing or, or, or forgetting or pretending that these differences between us don't exist. In fact, I think what we want to fundamentally do is separate these differences, but to understand that in the midst of all those differences, differences of gifts, differences of background, and all sorts of other things, we still need something larger, something more comprehensive. And precisely because together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what we become, something larger, something more comprehensive, that we are, each of us, Gifted by God in such a way that we are formed into something larger, something more comprehensive, something that we call, that Paul calls the body of Christ. Or as he uses in this particular passage, in Peterson's message translation, his resurrection body that is formed, refreshed, and sustained by the Holy Spirit. So I want to think in these moments that we share together, what does that mean for us? Last week we talked a little bit about this, about how that means that we are formed into the body and that that's a really important part of who we are. But I, I want to think tonight as Paul offers to us, what does that mean for you and me? What does it mean for us as individually? What do we carry with us? And, and, and again, I'm just going to read a little bit more of this passage. The next section, these are verses 14 through 18. Here as Paul continues. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. And real quick pause here. Isn't that great? Like right from the start, he's just said... Labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, they're no longer useful. And so one of the things that we might hear is, oh, well, all of the things that make me an individual, they're no longer useful. It's not what he's saying. That, that we are still very significant. And he continues, a body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand embellished with rings, I... I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ears said, I'm not beautiful like I, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. Now, there's a couple things that I hope that we take from this because I think part of what I love about what Paul is doing here is he's talking to any of us that might occasionally struggle with, let's just say, an inferiority complex. Like we're not sure where we fit in or maybe we're not even sure if we do fit in. 
If the giftedness that we feel, that we experience, that we believe we have, does it, does it matter? And Paul offers quite a resounding yes. Yes, ab- absolutely. And even if you are the biggest proponent of, I don't really think I should even be here, it doesn't change the fact that when God made you, God had something in mind for you in being a part of the body that is the resurrection body sustained and formed and refreshed by the Holy Spirit. You are an important part of the body of Christ. The giftedness that you have, that God has given you, is a part of the body that God has and is forming. And then Paul continues... But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine I telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. And friends, listen closely to this next part here. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I mean, think about it for a second. What, what's beautiful about this, and I really do believe that there are people who on some days wrestle and struggle with an inferiority complex, and those same people some days struggle with a superiority complex, that we, we, we can find ourselves on both sides of the spectrum. And Paul is speaking to all of us, I believe, and if he's not, then he's at least speaking to you in one of these regards in the sense that we have to also be careful that we don't see our gifts as putting us up above other people. That in the same way that the body is missing something, when something isn't there because of its absence, that, that to blow something up out of proportion, I love how he puts it here, that a, the, a body that is just a giant hand or a giant eye, that's not a body, that's just a, a monster. It's incapable of doing the things that the body that is formed up of all these different and diverse parts and gifts can actually do. And I can't help but think that Paul was thinking ahead to a Twitter, Instagram kind of world (laughs) when he throws out there something like, if you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I got a feeling that, you know, one gets you a whole lot more followers on social media than the others, but but still, I got to go with good digestion. That sounds good to me. As Paul continues here, he says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. 
The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in His church, which is His body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious by now, isn't it? That Christ's church is a complete body and not a gigantic, unidimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle worker, not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues. And yet some of you keep competing for so-called important parts. i will be honest with you, when I, um, when I was thinking about these two weeks together, a few weeks ago I thought, yeah, I can preach two different sermons on 1 Corinthians 12. I mean, the first week I'll focus on, on, you know, how it's important to be part of the body, and the second week this, and then as I was working on last week's, and I thought, that's going to be hard, but I still think I can do it. And I was working on this week's, I thought, that was a terrible idea. And um, the point being is that I, I know that, that this is very parallel to what we talked about last week, but, but I can't get away from the power of this message. And in particular, this verse here that is the 26th verse. And I want to offer it in, in a different translation only because it stands alone a little bit differently. But, but hear these words. Just listen, listen to this. Part of Paul's description of the body is to offer this. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. I think that is one of the most beautiful and powerful descriptions in all of Scripture for this incredible, incredible thing that we are called to, that we get to be a part of. And I, I was trying to think of a way for us to sort of imagine what these two different descriptions could be. And I came up with a really good one, I think, for the first part, and I don't want you to do it here. But when you go home tonight, or sometime this week, Turn all the lights out in your house. Make sure you're barefoot and just start walking around until you stub your toe. Okay? <laughs> now, if you don't want to actually do that, imagine it with me because most of you have already done that before in your lives. Let me ask you something. When you stub your toe, does just your toe hurt <laughs> or does your whole body hurt? Because I know for me, my whole body hurts when that happens. There's something about the surprise, the shock, the momentum, the little poor little toe that just got mashed for the sake of me being too lazy to turn on a light. But think about for a second just the, the way that that wave of pain washes over you and think that that, in a sense, in a very uncomfortable way, mind you, but in a sense is precisely what Paul is getting at. 
I think that for a lot of people, when they hear this language of the body of Christ, they think, oh, it's like a Lego set, right? You know, you've got all these pieces, and they, they come together, and they form something bigger, and it's a whole, and it looks different, and it's different, it's colorful, and kids can play with it, and all that stuff, right? But there's something more. There's something different when, when the invitation is that the, the depth at which we are formed together, the way that the Holy Spirit is working in us to form a body of Christ, the resurrection body of our Savior, is such that when one of us is hurting, we all feel it. And in the same way, and I have to tell you, I can't think of an example for the second one, but if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. And I can't think of another example other than just to say, isn't it great when that's what the church is? Because that is so hard to celebrate with someone and to not feel guilt or to not feel at some level underneath like, why them and not me? But to think instead, again, that, that when we are formed together in this resurrection body of Christ, that we are invited to be a part of something where when one part, when one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. That is the intimacy with which we are formed through the power of the Holy Spirit to be the body. And here's the thing, my friends. Not only is that just an absolutely beautiful invitation to find ourselves invited into being a part of something that beautiful, but I have to tell you, as someone who desperately wants to be a part of that, that means I desperately want you to be a part of it too. Because it's better with you in it. Because God formed you with the intention of you being a part of it. You are an important part of God's work in the world, each and every one of you. Whether you are here in the chapel now, whether you are watching this live, or whether you watch this three weeks from now, whatever, you are an important part of the body of Christ. And I hope that you want to be a part of it too. And selfishly, I mean, on a, a sort of like from, you know, I'm wearing the collar here, and I, you know, from a pastoral sense, I really hope that you want to be a part of the body. From a very selfish, personal sense, I really hope you want to be a part of the body, my friends, because I want to be a part of this. And the only way it works is if we, we all give ourselves to it find ourselves as a part of it, living into it, seeking to find ourselves formed, refreshed, and sent out as the resurrection body of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.